Welcome to Stress-Free Living. I'm Gregory Landsman. Much has been written about the impacts of social media on our young people. In the positive, it provides a level of connection that in recent times has been invaluable. However, overwhelmingly, it is exacerbating our inclination to compare ourselves and a desire for cosmetic surgery and injectables of the likes we have never seen before. So many people are experiencing an epidemic of unhappiness about the way they look that is being fed by image-adjusting filters, self-objectification and a culture of selfie-taking that has become a large part of our lives. If you said to someone 20 years ago that we would all carry cameras around and take photos of ourselves all day and then send them to our friends, we would have thought you had gone mad. Well, when you put it like that, perhaps we have. As a society, we have let these platforms into our lives to such a degree that we have traded self-acceptance for social acceptance, and the cost is enormous. Anxiety, depression, suicide, and mental health issues are at all-time highs. And sadly, we have started to associate our ability to connect with people with the way we look, which means that the largest part of who we are and all that makes us special and individual is taking a backseat to something much more shallow and insidious. We see it in advertising and media every day. People who are physically beautiful get more, have more, live better. Research tells us that we actually believe this, and therein lies the problem. We have started to equate our value as human beings with the way we look, and this breeds body dissatisfaction. Body dissatisfaction is certainly not a new issue, and social media didn't create it. It merely turned up the dial on something that has been screaming loudly at us for a long time, that we need to look a certain way to be valued, accepted, and loved. As I have mentioned previously, in 2003, I went back into schools to do research with children aged 6 to 12 on whether they liked the way they looked. Results showed that 96% didn't like how they looked and would like to change something about themselves. When this figure was shown to me, I vowed to do something, and so I wrote the story, A Lifetime of Beauty, which has been used in the school curriculum as part of the Dissolving Differences program since 2004. The accompanying study guide was written by a psychologist, and the program has been created to support overcoming body dissatisfaction. But at its core, it is about treating ourselves and others with more acceptance and kindness. This story is now available to support parents, and I would like to read the opening chapter to you now, A Lifetime of Beauty. Once long ago in a land far away, legend tells of a place where beauty and time began. It was called Mount Beauty, because all that was beautiful in the world resided there. This was symbolized by six stone tablets that took pride of place at the bottom of the mountain. The whole mountain lived in harmony, until one day a woman named Premadonna arrived. On her arrival, she was greeted with the warmth and kindness extended to all travellers. But Premadonna was not impressed. She had travelled to Mount Beauty, expecting all the world's most beautiful people to be on it. Instead, she thought most were unattractive and ugly. While she believed her beauty was superior, she was jealous that all the people felt beautiful in their own right, and was furious that none of them saw themselves as less beautiful than her. As a mean-spirited woman, she conceived of a wicked plan to steal their beauty. 
She believed that if the people of Mount Beauty could see themselves as ugly and unattractive, then she would be deemed the most beautiful. So as part of the plan, she started ridiculing people's bodies and facial features. At first, the women took no notice, knowing that their true beauty was inside built on their freedom of spirit. But Premadonna was clever. She flattered some of the women and encouraged them to compare themselves to others. To convince them there was no such thing as equal beauty, she held beauty contests to show them that they were winners and losers. The people began finding fault with the way they looked. Tall people began hunching over, and shorter people started walking on stilts. As the people began judging, criticizing, and camouflaging aspects of their bodies, the stone tablets that spout beauty began to sink slowly into the earth. Premadonna laughed as everyone scurried around like beauty beggars, looking for ways to make themselves feel beautiful. They searched in potions and lotions, under rocks and in waterfalls. They played manipulative games with their food and did exercises that hurt their bodies. She had succeeded in stealing their beauty, making them believe they were flawed and that she was the most beautiful. To mark the differences between them, she went to live on the top of the mountain, that way, she could look down on the people she regarded as ugly, and they could look up to her. Premadonna started a cult with the beauty pageant winners, who followed her up the mountain. By the time she left, the stone tablets had disappeared. This was the beginning of the segregation between the top and the bottom of the mountain. Over the centuries, the stone tablets were never seen again, and the separation continued. Of course, this is a parable, but it does reflect an aspect of the world that we can either choose to participate in or not. I always say that the most beautiful aspects of a human being can't be seen with the eyes. We feel them with our heart. And by using our eyes to judge a person, we will only see half of who they are. We can either judge others for their differences or help them celebrate them, knowing that what we give others is a reflection of how we treat ourselves. We can obsess about what others think, or we can stand strong in our own opinions, values, and individuality. Often easier said than done, but as a world we are at a point where we need to make some different decisions about how we live with ourselves. Because if we don't start to look for something other than what is being served up via social platforms, we will continue to see ourselves through the eyes of others, and as my grandmother always said, what other people think of you is none of your business. It's what you think of yourself that truly matters. Being kind to ourselves is the basis of self-acceptance. Being kind to others is the basis of a good life. At some point in our lives, I believe we all need to make the kindness connection so we can live happily and peacefully with ourselves and others. This is our time for celebrating the best of our humanity for individuality and self-care, for inclusion, for acceptance and for equality, for what is real, what is good and what nurtures body and soul, for living peacefully, for breathing deeply and for sharing our best selves, for less judgment and more kindness, for open hearts, self-belief and respect in action, for honoring uniqueness and the gifts we all bring, for a new way of being that supports all of us to celebrate our differences and to love more of who we are, just as we are. Until next time, I'm Gregory Landsman, 
this is stress-free living. Stay blessed and do good in the world.